Welcome back to Chasing Dramas, the podcast that discusses Chinese history and culture through historical Chinese dramas. This is Karen. And this is Kathy. Today we are discussing episode 73 and 74 of Hou Gong Jin Huan Zhuan, Empresses in the Palace. As always, feel free to reach out if you have any comments or questions either at Karen and Kathy at ChasingDramas.com or else follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ChasingDramas. We are hurtling towards the end of the drama. After this, we will only have two more episodes to discuss. The last episode, we saw the defeat of the vile empress. Her many terrible atrocities were finally revealed to the emperor and she has been banished to her palace for life, never to see the emperor ever again. Now, we're wrapping up the rest of the loose ends in the palace. For this episode discussion, or at least these two episodes, get your tissue box ready as there will be many tears. But if I were honest, I've cried more when Shin Meizhuang died. That's just, that's just me. The only main person storyline that's left for this drama really is the 17th prince. While I think Guo Jinwang, the 17th prince, is handsome, great, smart, all these wonderful adjectives, these two episodes are another slap in the face to romance, if you will. He is such an intelligent man, but for love, he loses a lot of intelligence points. In the second half of the last episode, the new Zhengar Khan Mo Ge came to visit the Qing Empire, but he's someone that Zhen Huan and the 17th Prince have met before. The Khan accosts Zhen Huan after the banquet to speak, which was overheard by the Emperor's spy, which makes the Emperor suspicious as to why they would have met. Episode 73 starts off with the emperor setting a trap for Jin Huan to try to figure out the truth. The emperor asks to see Jin Huan in a palace and tells Su Peisheng, his head eunuch, to summon the 17th prince and have him wait outside. Inside, the emperor tells Jin Huan that Mo Ge wants to marry Jin Huan. Jin Huan is shocked. As from a cultural perspective, this is a huge humiliation for the Qing dynasty and the imperial court. However, there is a rather famous anecdote that the Khan recounts as a precedent for this type of marriage alliance. Of course, Jin Huan doesn't want to be married off and be away from her children, but the emperor says that in exchange for Jin Huan and the cure for the plague that is currently devastating the Zhengar army, The Khan has agreed to retreat and stop further war. That is a very powerful bargaining chip. The Emperor pressures Jin Huan to make a decision. Unfortunately, this conversation was largely a trap set by the Emperor because at this point, none other than the 17th Prince bursts into the room and requests the Emperor to reconsider. We had our rankings of the top 25 most intelligent people in the palace, and here we see why the 17th prince ranks below the emperor, Su Peisheng, and Jin Huan. This was an idiotic move. After the 17th prince bursts in, both Su Peisheng and Jin Huan try to cut him off to make him stop talking. <laughs> Like, literally. <laughs> It's actually really funny. Both of them are like, no, 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 no. Let me, let me talk. Don't talk. <laughs> the emperor, though, demands for the 17th prince to continue speaking. 
He doesn't listen to Su Peisheng or Jin Huan and boldly states that this marriage is not a good idea. I personally like you, the 17th Prince, but this episode, I'm going to count like the number of times that you are completely idiotic and this is one of them. Guo Jun Wang has a lot of good points as to why Jin Huan shouldn't be married off. This sets a terrible precedent for the Qing dynasty and it is a huge humiliation. I mean, all fair points. He even makes a statement that if needed, he will lead troops to push back the Zungar army in general. This was also another big taboo that he should not have brought up. With this declaration, the emperor asks the devastating question. Are you doing this for the Qing Empire or for her? The emperor had learned from his spy that the 17th prince and Jin Huan had met outside of the palace. With the 17th prince's actions and words at this juncture, the emperor cannot help but believe that the 17th prince has inappropriate feelings towards his consort. The emperor is furious while the 17th prince and Jin Huan hurriedly both try to convince the emperor that there's nothing going on between them. The emperor is incredibly sharp and his suspicions are correct, but he doesn't have exact proof that Jin Huan had committed adultery, only that the 17th prince has feelings. As he views Jin Huan now as a problem for the empire, and one could say rightly so, as he says, this woman has come between him and his brother and is also now the object of desire by a enemy Khan. That is not a good look for any woman. So he decides to accept this marriage proposal and send Jin Huan away. Jin Huan is tearful but resigned to her fate. This is something the emperor decided, which she cannot disobey. She says a solemn goodbye to the emperor and the 17th prince. The 17th prince is told to leave, and next we see him discussing his next move with his younger brother, the 19th prince, and his wife. Remember, she is Jin Huan's youngest sister. The reality is that even though Jin Huan accepts, she herself said that she won't let the Qing Empire be humiliated, which means she will commit suicide. Of course, the 17th prince cannot have that. On the evening that Jin Huan's marriage procession leaves the palace, he, in full military gear, decides to chase after her. And this is where we say once and for all, stop. Listen to everyone around you. His remaining consort, Yu Yin, Jin Huan's half-sister, tries to stop him. She pleads with him to stay and not rush after her sister, but he just won't listen. He being rather heartless to her, just says he has to do this for her. Jen Quan, that is. So this is what, number two? Uh, being, being very stupid. <laughs> being oh the my romantic. gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What a terrible idea. We will discuss why this was a terrible idea, but I guess plot. <laughs> this, though, is once again another trap. While the Khan did ask for Jin Huan, he was willing to accept just the cure for the plague. So, Jin Huan was never in the marriage procession. Instead, she was just shut up in her rooms in the summer palace. The 17th prince didn't know that. This was, of course, reported to the emperor by his spies. 
What's interesting is that the Khan adamantly refused to confirm that the 17th Prince and Jin Huan have a personal relationship. I found that line to be really interesting because it looks like the Khan is trying to protect Jin Huan. So, as of now, the Emperor only has his suspicions confirmed that the 17th Prince is interested in Jin Huan, but he has no proof that they ever actually did anything or that she reciprocated those feelings. The Emperor is furious to hear that the 17th Prince did indeed chase after Jin Huan. Luckily for Jin Huan, she has an incredibly bright and charismatic daughter. We didn't include her in our intelligence countdown list, but if we wanted to, she's gotta be high up there. She visits her father, the Emperor, in his study with her adoptive mother. She, at the tender age of I think six, puts on a good show for her father that she's sad she can't take care of her sick birth mother and that she cannot help her siblings who miss their mother terribly and have also fallen ill. She cutely recites a passage by Manxius recounting the three joys of life. This little monologue deeply touches her father and he just ultimately decides to bring Jinhuan back. Surprisingly, he doesn't even punish Jin Huan. When Jin Huan comes to see him, he is a little choked up and simply tells her to see her children, that her children miss her. To me, this reflects that no matter what we say and how much we dislike the emperor, he does have feelings for Jin Huan. Remember the poor Ying in a few episodes back that his son was interested in? The emperor totally killed Ying Guiyan without a second thought. The problems that Jin Huan are bringing up for him and the empire are much more extreme than Ying Guiyan, but he doesn't even punish Jin Huan. She's allowed to go back to her palace. So I do think this reflects the weight that Jin Huan uh, has on uh, the emperor's heart. And another reason why Su Peisheng is like a godsend ally for Jin Huan, is here. The emperor asks him if he let Jin Huan off too easily. Su Peisheng responds that this has nothing to do with Jin Huan. This certainly helps calm the emperor down, and he just puts the blame squarely on his brother, the 17th prince. As the 17th prince left without permission, he is sentenced to being stationed at the border and is not to return without decree from the emperor. In a surprising move, however, the emperor promotes both the 17th prince and the 19th prince. The 17th prince is now a Qingwang, or prince of the first rank, and the 19th prince is now promoted to a Junwang, or prince of the second rank. So again, Su Peisheng played a crucial role of shifting attention here away from Jin Huan and putting it on the 17th prince. I think if Su Peisheng said more about Jin Huan, she probably would have been killed. We now have a time skip of three years. We see the 17th prince in his military regalia playing his bamboo flute. I will give props <laughs> to the prop master here. The writings on his flute do indeed say Changxiang Si, which is what the name of the flute is. Well, the 17th prince, continuing his idiotic streak, has been writing letters to Jin Huan in his correspondence home. Unfortunately for him, the emperor's spies have stolen a few 
and reported them to the emperor. In a private meeting between the emperor and his minister, the minister commends the 17th prince's capabilities at keeping the Dzungars at bay. However, the emperor expresses his displeasure at some of the 17th prince's recommendations to set up markets and begin trade again. I think these recommendations were quite innocuous, and the minister thinks they are good ideas. Unfortunately, the emperor does not want any quote-unquote help from the 17th prince and summons him back to the capital. The eunuch Su Peisheng, who was listening to the side, breathes a sigh of relief, but this does not bode well for the 17th prince. Who knows what's going to happen? Well, we know what's going to happen. When the 17th prince comes back to the capital, he hurriedly heads to the summer palace where the imperial family is staying for the summer. He bumps into Jin Huan and his daughter, or her daughter, Ling Xi. Well, these two, especially Jin Huan, cannot contain their tears, but we're like, girl, you gotta keep it together. The eunuch Su Peisheng quickly comes to summon the 17th prince for an audience with the emperor. At dinner, the two men are both quite drunk, but the emperor, of course, is here for one thing and one thing only. At the end of the episode, he bluntly asks the 17th prince if he and Jin Huan had an adulterous relationship. Episode 74 starts right off at the same place. For me, though, the most important line isn't when the emperor asks about the adulterous relationship. It's actually the next line. He asks, are you plotting for my throne because of her? This is what he truly cares about, his throne. He's always suspicious that someone, anyone, is trying to conspire against him. That is why he is so wary of military prowess or military merit for any of his brothers. The emperor doesn't get an answer here because the 17th prince feigns drunkenness, but that leads to the next scene. Jin Huan is summoned to see the emperor. She picks up the fan from the eunuch to fan the emperor. He, in his meditative pose, opens his eyes and slaps Jin Huan across the face. This is the first time he's hit Jin Huan. Here, he coldly begins his interrogation. The topic is, of course, the 17th prince. Again, the conversation revolves around the imperial throne. The emperor even admits his jealousy towards the 17th prince. If it weren't for dissenters at court, the 17th prince would be emperor. Now that he also has military merit, who's to say that the 17th prince wouldn't be eyeing the throne? He then says this line, which translates to, if the emperor wants a subject dead, the subject must die. It's clear to Jin Huan, and to us now, that he intends to kill the 17th prince. In response to her disbelief, the emperor finally reveals his true colors. He actually says this, When I decided to fight for the throne, I even plotted against my own blood brother, the 14th prince. I've long forgotten that I have brothers. Finally, you admit that you are a cold-hearted bastard. He is such a hypocrite. In episode 72, the emperor was railing against the empress for killing her own sister. What has he done? What is he doing now? The exact same thing. 
And one could say she only killed one sibling, one sister, whereas he killed many of his brothers. The emperor grabs Jinhuan's hand and heartlessly commands her to murder the 17th prince, just as he told his mother to kill Long Kuo her lover. The emperor hands Jinhuan the poison and flatly tells her, to prove your innocence, you must kill him. In exchange, her son, the sixth prince, will become the crown prince. He gives Jinhuan absolutely no option and orders her to meet the 17th prince immediately. He's already waiting for the emperor for a small dinner. The 17th prince and Jinhuan meet for a final time. He is surprised when she walks in but is nonetheless very happy about it. Wine is brought to the table and she pours two cups. The two reminisce about their past, including the Siyan flower or the Japanese morning flower, first mentioned in episode 17, to their marriage contract or gongtie in episode 51. The 17th prince eyes the wine in front of him and he notes the open window and asks Jinhuan to close it. He comments on the painting of He Huanhua or the Persian silk tree flowers on the wall. These flowers are his favorite. He voices his regrets, especially to the three women in his life. They both pick up their cups of wine to conduct a jiaobei hejin, or a custom to link arms and drink the wine during a marriage ceremony. They didn't do it during their marriage, so they are filling that gap now. They embrace for one last hug. Jen Huan recounts for the 17th prince her children, but the 17th prince finally falters. He spits out blood and confesses that he switched the wine cups. Jin Huan originally wanted to drink the poison herself. He tells her that he knew the emperor wanted to kill him. Anything they do is futile. He hands Jin Huan his beloved flute and pouch that he's held on to for all of these years. With his dying breath, he tells Jin Huan that she will forever be his only wife. Jin Huan, who is in utter shock, tries to tell him that her son and daughter are actually his. But it is too late. The poor guy, to his death, never knew the truth. Jin Huan barely holds it together as she stumbles outside. Waiting for her are eunuchs and the emperor's spy. Seeing that she's alone, they confirm the 17th prince's death before reading an imperial edict. Jin Huan now controls the imperial harem and will act as empress in all but name. If they saw anybody else exit the building, they would be killed on sight. So, you know, it's good that the 17th prince drank that poison. And this is a foolproof way to uh, kill the 17th prince. There was no way he was walking out of it. Talk about heartless. The emperor just knows how to, uh, I guess, eliminate his brothers. At this point, her sister Yu Yin, who was waiting for the 17th prince in the palace, rushes over to discover the truth. Jin Huan finally faints from the heartbreaking events of the evening as she hears her sister scream out. The emperor receives the briefing from his spy. They will ship the body back out to the border so that everyone will believe the 17th prince died while on duty. He's just sitting there, no emotion. 
The emperor claims that he originally wanted to have an extravagant funeral for the 17th prince, but to keep the stability of the region, they'll just have a low-key funeral instead. Like, what a hypocrite, and what, it's just like, who are you doing this for? Yeah, he's so petty here. He's gonna have this, like, this excuse to say, nah, I'm not gonna give you a, a funeral. Um, okay, fine. <laughs> When Jin Huan fainted, she fell from the top of the steps and injured her knee. She can no longer dance, but she doesn't care. Her heart has finally died, so who would she dance for? At the funeral, Yu Yin is sitting there along with the 17th prince's son. She coldly watches the proceedings, but when the eunuchs begin to move the coffin, she rushes to the coffin, hits her head, and kills herself. Jin Huan hears the devastating news and she sheds even more tears. Man, this episode is just of her crying. I mean, I would too. You lose your lover and also your sister because your husband is a cold-hearted person. But in the midst of this, she finds the whole thing suspicious. Why did the emperor suddenly want to kill the 17th prince after three full years? The eunuch, Su Peisheng, helpfully confides in her that it was due to some letters. While the three of them, Jin Huan, Jin Xi, and Su Peisheng, uncover the letters to find that each letter the 17th prince wrote included Xi Guifei An or Hope Jin Huan is well. Here again, I'll say, come on, you are waiting for someone to catch you. Why would you write that in writing? You know, write code or something like that. The episode ends with the emperor coming to visit Jin Huan. This is their first conversation since the 17th prince's death. He has the gall to ask why she looks so fragile. He's like, I at least had a relationship with my brother. Hold up, what? Even if there's nothing between them, let's just say like nothing. You just asked her to kill a royal prince. I think that's pretty traumatizing for anybody. He then continues to say, you aren't the same as before. Jin Huan, and I will commend her here, finally responds, do you treat me the same as before? The emperor responds, he hopes that they both are the same before leaving. Also, you have to commend, I guess, Jin Huan's teammates because when uh, the doctor was asked why Jin Huan was so frail if it was because of um, the 17th prince. The doctor, Wei Lin, actually mentions that her sister died, so of course she's really sad. See, the multiple benefits of having a large army of allies <laughs> in the Imperial Harem. These two episodes were certainly heartbreaking. The events that transpired were triggered by the arrival of the Zungar Khan, but while we think, like I said one more time, that the 17th prince is a fantastic person, he caused a lot of this heartbreak on himself. Sure, he shouldn't have burst into the room at the beginning of the episode to stop Chen Huan from leaving, but as we mentioned as well, the more crucial mistake is writing that Chen Huan is well in his mail. There were so many other ways he could have, uh, I guess, communicated that message, either by code, it was to his wife, and, you know, they should know by now that he is being uh, watched. So, uh, you know, we, we just feel bad. 
Something that did bug me for a long time is that I'm surprised no one told the 17th prince when he was alive that Jin Huan's two children are his. His mother and her maid knew, his consort Yu Yin certainly knew, and the imperial doctor Wen Shichu of course knew. Perhaps they all thought that keeping this from him was the best. They were all doing it to make sure that Jin Huan and Guo Junwan, the 17th prince, stay alive. But I can't help but wonder if he would be more or less hot-headed if he knew those children were his. And here's my hope that if he knew he would be less hot-headed and would actually act less impulsively. But I probably think he would have acted more impulsively. This is certainly a regret in Jin Huan's life that he never formally was able to acknowledge his twin children. I do rather feel quite sorry for Yu Yin, Jin Huan's younger sister. She fell in love with the 17th prince and ran his household after getting married, but he never treated her too well. This I will fault the 17th prince for. You are a total asshole to her. I guess there was some mutual respect and a familial relationship because she is Jin Huan's sister, but he went off to the border without a second thought for Yu Yin. When he returned, he didn't even want to see his son or Yu Yin first. Sadly for Yu Yin, she never saw her husband alive after he returned. So he didn't see her for three years and he decides to uh, die for Jin Huan. She, in this situation, is a fool for love, killing herself to be with him, but I guess she decided to do that herself. This is a really blunt way to put it, but this whole situation is really, really quite sad. There is no wonder why Jin Huan is now full of hatred towards the emperor. The emperor, in his haste to protect his throne, did not care who he killed or hurt. He doesn't believe he did anything wrong. With the 17th prince's death, any remaining emotion or feelings Jin Huan once had for the emperor is completely eliminated. I feel like anyone in her shoes would feel the same. Well, that was the recap for episode 73 and 74. Certainly a tearjerker. Let's talk about some of the history that is mentioned because there are a few interesting tidbits. First is about Wang Zhaojun. She is the woman that is referenced when the emperor is deciding whether or not to send Jin Huan to be married to the Khan. Wang Zhaojun and her story is rather famous, and she is considered one of the four most beautiful women in Chinese history. We've discussed two of the three other women in our podcast before. Her story is relatively simple, and I'm making it even more simple. 2,000 years ago, during the Han Dynasty, the Xiongnu, or a group of nomadic people, requested a marriage alliance with the Han Empire. The emperor at the time decided to send Wang Zhaojun, who was just a palace maid. She was originally sent to the palace as a part of a court selection, but her painting was painted poorly by a corrupt palace artist who she did not pay off, so she never caught the eye of the emperor to become a concubine. When she was selected to be married to the Xiongnu for this marriage alliance, the emperor was stunned at her beauty and intelligence for she was incredibly talented, bright, and kind. But by this time, it was too late to change who was to be sent for this marriage. 
Wang Jiajun went to live with the Xiongnu. The legend goes that she brought livestock, farming, water to her clan, and other good things, which made her a positive figure, and thus the legends. What we know from history is that she helped end years of war, improved diplomatic relations between the Han and the Xiongnu people, and helped other minority groups aspire to Han traditions. Uh, her marriage was not necessarily the happiest. I mean, she married the Khan then um, for three years and had a child, but he passed away. And as was custom, she actually had to marry the Khan's eldest son. She married him uh, for, several, for, I think, a decade, 11 years before he passed away. This story has been passed down through the generations. There have been several dramas that depict this story, as well as books, plays, dances, you name it. So you can see the parallels here to Jin Huan's predicament. She would also be like Wang Zhaojun being sent off to marry a nomadic, uh, I guess, group of people um, in exchange for peace. Next up, the princess Long Yue quoted heavily from Mengxus in her meeting with her father, the emperor. We've talked about Mengxus before, a disciple of Confucius. The piece she quotes comes from Jinxin from Mengzi. The James Leji translation is as follows. Mengxia said, The superior man has three things in which he delights, and to be ruler over the kingdom is not one of them. That his father and mother are both alive, and that the condition of his brothers affords no cause for anxiety. This is one delight. That, when looking up, he has no occasion for shame before heaven, and below, he has no occasion to blush before men. This is a second delight. That he can get from the whole kingdom the most talented individuals and teach and nourish them. This is the third delight. The superior man has three things in which he delights, and to be ruler over the kingdom is not one of them. The princess wants to take care of her parents and her siblings. Kudos to you, child. Uh, so young and to be quoting Mengxius, she's way brighter than her older brother, the third prince. And she's shown time and again she knows how to uh, win her father's heart. The emperor releases Jin Huan due to these words. I mean, I would too. The emperor wants to be that superior man. This appeals straight to his ego. And again, I will give praise to her mother, Jingfei, for uh, bringing the princess to say these words. Lastly, let us talk about the 17th prince. Who is he in history? Guo Junwang was born in 1697, a full 19 years younger than the emperor Yongzheng. As in this drama, he was intelligent and scholarly. There are several works by him that have survived that we actually know about today. He had a close relationship with the emperor during his reign. He didn't participate in the struggle for the throne, which was why he was favored. I think he was probably too young at that time. Guo Junwang was given command of multiple banners during his life and appointed to the Grand Council, which oversees military matters of the Qing Empire. He actually managed Zongrenfu for a time, or the Imperial Clan Court, and Xingbu, or the Ministry of Penalty. Those are actually quite important roles. He was made prince of the first rank in 1728, when 
Emperor Yongzheng died, he was entrusted to be an advisor to the new Emperor Qianlong. He did indeed marry as his primary wife from the Niohuru clan, which is what Chen Huan and Yu Yin were a part of when Chen Huan returned to the palace. He also had a secondary wife with the last name of Meng. He had a son and daughter, but they both died young. He died in 1738 at the age of 41 during the reign of Qianlong Emperor. So he outlived the emperor in the drama that we have right here and was definitely not poisoned. However, for story purposes, the writers needed to follow the thread from the original character from Zhen Huan Zhuan, the book. So poor Guo Junwang had to die here. I also like the parallels between this scene and the scene that uh, we discussed before with the Empress Dowager and her, I guess, rumored lover, Long Keduo. Again, none of that happened in real life. But it kind of just shows how heavy-handed the emperor was in creating these scenarios. He didn't want to have any of the blame and, and really wanted the women to kill their lovers or reported lovers. And that is that for our episode 73 and 74 discussion. Let us know what you think. Hopefully nobody cried too many tears watching these episodes. We only have a few more episodes left of this drama. Are we excited to see how uh, Chen Huan finally gets her revenge? I certainly am. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you in the next episode.